I just, I couldn't help but, as we were singing that last song, um, build my life. Um, you know, Jesus says, whoever hears these words of his and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house, who's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And anyone who hears the words of Jesus and does not put them pra- into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storm comes, the wind will beat against that house, and the, if it's built on the sand, it, it crumbles. Um, you know, in uh, the, the, the past month, for me and my family, have just been really overwhelming with, I mean, uh, moving into a new house, which is fabulous. However, moving is stressful. Um, dealing with some car problems and me being a do-it-yourself kind of guy. I'm like, that's just how I handle things, you know, and so but that's extra work on myself. And then losing my dad uh, here a few weeks ago, I mean, it's just really accumulated. And we're in our, our morning Bible study, and uh, one of the fellows was just, uh, you know, kind of encouraging me on like, oh, gosh, he, he, can't, he couldn't believe I stood up here, you know, the, the Sunday after my dad passed and, and preached. And it's like, well... I mean, I didn't give him an answer. You just do what you do. Um, in, that same, um, in that same class, another person was reflecting on how, you know, that people will call and they get to talk to them on the phone and these friends, they've got these incredibly dramatic problems in life. And, and they sit there and say, well, I, but I don't have those. And, I could, and what I'd like to say, you'd have to listen to that song, is that really is the result of building your life upon the teachings of Jesus, to put Jesus' teachings into practice. Because everybody goes through storms. I mean, listen, I've been through a storm the past month, and I'll tell you, I'm tired, all right? That, but that just happens. But I'm not beat down. I'm not destroyed. I can see uh, a light at the end of the tunnel here, and that's fine. Uh, folks who have overly dramatic and complicated lives, a lot of times it's not the result of one decision. It's a result of a lifetime of decisions. And if your lifetime, if you spend a lifetime making your decisions based upon the teachings of Jesus, when the storms come, you will find his promises to be true. Now, you might get battered, you might be tired, but you're not beat down and you, you remain. And, uh, and that's, that, that's what uh, that one person, they didn't articulate all that. But that's what's beneath it. It's like, why is it that they don't have such massive, dramatic problems in life? Everybody's got problems. Um, but but, but when, you, when you do things God's way, um, you, it, your ability to withstand them is greater. They're, the duration doesn't seem to go as long because you didn't complicate it and make it worse because you were making good choices. And uh, so anyway, I just couldn't help but share a little bit about that because that's where I've been and that's what that song is about and to encourage everyone, to the best of your ability, take what Jesus teaches and apply it. Put it into practice in your life. Don't just make it information that you think about and agree with. Make it information that you live out um, and you'll see the promises of God lived out dramatically in your life. So, this year... God's given our church leadership a theme, a, uh, a spiritual focus for the year. Um, and it's this idea of living a life, not just on Sunday, a, a life of faith, not just on Sunday, but, but 365 days of the year. That faith is something that, that's how you live every day. So we got this faith 365 
uh, theme, this idea. And, and this life of faith will result in two consistent responses from all of us. Digging deep and reaching out. Right? Um, that, uh, um, that, that you dig deep in your relationship with God. You're, you are intentional about doing things and putting yourself in places where your relationship with God can grow. All right? And you, you do that on purpose. But as you dig deep into your personal relationship with God, you're going to naturally discover that God does not want you to keep your personal relationship with Him private. See, God loves people. All people. And when you get close to the God that loves people, His heart will impact your heart and you will be moved to reach out. Digging deep and reaching out. And this, this theme, this focus, it's impacting your church and the ministries that we have. It's impacting how God leads me to preach. Um, the summer series was all about faith. But, and it was a series that was aimed at helping you dig deep in your relationship with God. Now next week, we begin a series that's aimed at helping you reach out. Um, we're going to begin a series called The God Questions. Now, I have a survey I want you to see. And I want you to look at these uh, questions here. And I want you to pick the three questions that you would have the most difficulty answering right now. You might be able to give an answer to some of it, but these are the three that would, uh, would give you the most difficulty. All right? Now, when you got three, hold up three fingers. Just so I could see. Now, look on that list. Which of those questions could you give an answer to in less than 60 seconds? You see, I bring those up because next week, this God question series, it's designed to help you reach out. And if you stick with it, if you stay with me every week, if you don't take a week off, it's going to be one of the most confidence-building times in your life. Uh, you're going to be equipped to either enhance what you already know and give a better answer or, or to answer some questions that you, you, you kind of even wonder yourself right now. I want you to, if you have a Bible with you, open to the book of Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to walk through two passages today. But this passage here in Colossians, um, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the, to the Christians in Colossae at about the, about the year 60 A.D., and Paul was in jail in Rome at the time. Uh, he was under house arrest, but he wanted God to use him even though he was confined to his quarters. He was locked inside a house, and there was a door between him and the people that he wanted to share with. You see, Paul knew from a vision that God gave him that God was going to take him to Rome to share the gospel. And so he's in Rome, he's 
hooray, God has given me the, he's brought me to the place where he told me I was going to share the gospel. But now I'm under house arrest and there is this door between me and the people that, that I want to share with, that, that God has purposed me to share with. And so he writes to his Christian brothers and sisters in Colossae. And in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, we find these words. He writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You need to focus in on those words in verse 3. Open a door. See, Paul finds himself behind a closed door. How many of you have ever mistakenly locked yourself out of your own house? Oh, yeah. That's way frustrating. It's your home. It's your door. And you can't get through. How about, um, how many of you have mistakenly locked yourself out of your own car? With, with the keys in it and the ignition on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that is a terrible feeling. A, a worse feeling is being, um, being socially locked out of a group. Uh, you'd like to be a part of this group, but, but they won't let you in. For the Apostle Paul, the worst feeling that he can imagine is being locked out of the ability to share the truth about eternity with the people around him. As Paul is writing this, he's sitting behind a locked door. The whole city of Rome is just outside the door, but he can't get to them. So Paul asks his friends in Colossae to pray for him. And in the midst of his prayer, he outlines a four-step process to opening conversational doors for sharing Christ with your friends. And what Paul outlines for us is a process that will open any spiritual door for you in conversation. So how do you open any spiritual door? Uh, Each week during this next series, the the God questions, a door is going to be wide open for you. So I want to teach you how to take that opportunity and use it the same way Paul would. Step one, pray for an opportunity. He says in verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray for the opportunity to share your faith. Paul says continue steadfastly in prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. See, some of you, you've got friends who need a spiritual makeover. They need Jesus. I mean, how many of you would say, I've got people in my life, they need Jesus? That's what I thought. So, so you, can, you can march up to them boldly and say, hey, this week our church is starting a series designed to answer every question you have about God and Christianity. Will you please come with me? That would be one way to approach them. But a better approach might be to pray that God would lead you in just the right way to approach your friend. That way you've got God's power and God's discernment working with you. You see, when I act, I get what I can do. But when we pray, you get what God can do. And that's a lot more than I can do. 
You pray for an opportunity. And then here's the neat part. If you pray, God will work. He says uh, in verse 2, again, step one is pray. Step two, watch for the opportunity. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. See, because if you pray, rest assured, God will bring someone. If you ask God to give you an opportunity to share, he will bring someone. Because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to a knowledge of the truth. If, if, if that's what God wants most in the world, if you pray for it, don't you think he's going to respond? Pray and then watch. Because God will put you in a situation this week where you can make an invitation. And then step three, make the most of the opportunity. In verse four, he's asking them to pray. He says, pray that I will make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. You see, make your explanation your, and your invitation clear. And, and in a few minutes, I'll give you an example of how to do so. Um, as you make that invitation and you look to be clear, step four is create a thirst for more. When you give a, an invitation, create a thirst for more. Look what he says in verse six. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Now, that's a curious uh, way of describing our speech. Seasoned with salt. Salt will make you thirsty. Be gracious in what you say and how you say it and season your words with salt. Here's, here's an approach you could use. You can love someone and say, hey, listen, much to my surprise, Jesus has changed my life and he can change yours. If, if, if you'd ever like to know more, I'd love to tell you what happened to me. You know why I like that approach? It asks Permission. told you I'd give you an example that you can use. Here's, 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 a, here's an invitation you can use. It's kind of conflict, complex. So I want you to listen carefully. It goes like this. Come and see. Try that with me. Ready? Come and see. I mean, advanced students here. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there was this young man named Philip. And he met Jesus and he recognized Jesus for who he was. Philip was so excited about meeting the Messiah, his first instinct was to go and tell his friends. And he went and he found a friend named Nathaniel that he had found the Messiah. He tells him, I found the Messiah and that it's Jesus of Nazareth. Now, like many of us, when we're first approached with something new, Nathaniel was a bit skeptical. And he says, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's pretty negative there. Philip, who was probably about 14 years old at the time, he used a very sophisticated rebuttal to invite Nathaniel, the skeptic. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says to him, come and see. There was another time when Jesus was traveling near the city of Sychar. He stopped to drink water outside of a well um, that's outside of town. And, and Jesus didn't have a bucket or a cup with him. So he, he started a conversation with the person that happened to come by the well. It was a woman. And the door to a spiritual conversation with her was wide open. 
because Jesus used a lot of grace and he seasoned the conversation with salt. By the end of the conversation, the lady's life was transformed. And she was so excited about it that she runs back into her village to convince every person there to consider the claims of Jesus. Now, she doesn't have a theological education. She's only been a Christ follower for a few short minutes. How can this new baby Christian entice people to consider Jesus? What is she going to say? Well, she carefully thinks and chooses her words carefully. She comes up with an elaborate scheme. And in John 4, 24, she says, Come, see the man who just told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? It wasn't sophisticated, but it worked. The entire village came out and met Jesus. Many of them became believers and followers. What a phrase, come and see. How many of you have got some friends who could use those three words this week? Come and see. They say, I don't want to. You say, listen, if you don't come a year from now, when you find out what you're missing, you're going you're to come to me and say, how come you didn't introduce me to this sooner? What kind of friend are you? I met Jesus when I was almost 18 years old. And I'm, I've got friends in high school. We sat at the table every day. I met Jesus. And all of a sudden my friends go, oh, you know Jesus now. You ought to come to church with us. My friends all went to church. I was a non-Christian who had a bunch of Christian friends. And afterwards I met Jesus and I was like, this is so great. This is so wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this so much. And I turned to my friend Daniel and I was like, how come you never told me? How come you never invited me? And I remember that. I wasn't trying to convict him. But the look of pain was on his face. of like, oh my goodness, I could have invited you. Because I really was. I was like, wow, youth camp was so fun. I only had one youth camp I got to go to. I could have gone to a bunch. Listen, you might be nervous about speaking to somebody, about inviting them. And I'm telling you, once they find out what Jesus can do in a person's life, they may look at you just like I did my friends and say, why didn't you tell me earlier? I would have loved to have had this sooner. Say, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. It's too important. And it's something that has to be experienced. I'm not sure I can explain it to you in a few short words. Just come and see. They'll say, I don't have time. I think you'll regret it if you don't. Just check it out. Come and see. I'll take you to lunch or dinner afterwards. Come and see. Those three words, coupled with prayer, spoken in a timely manner, they will open any spiritual door. Because God is working toward this opportunity with you. And it's what he wants for your friend. And it's what your friend needs. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has made everything beautiful in its time and that he has put eternity into man's heart. See, so within all of us is a desire to connect with the God of eternity. You can have confidence that this is an invitation every person would want to accept if they fully understood it. But since they can't fully understand it until they experience Jesus, just pray and give them an invitation in a gracious, enthusiastic, and compelling way. So you could do this. 
Every one of you ought to bring a friend to explore this series with you. Now, during this series, we're going to answer the four big questions that most everybody has. Is God real? We're going to give you six easy answers for that. Is the Bible true? Um, We're going to give you five irrefutable proofs to consider. Do all religions lead to heaven? We'll explain the belief systems of the ten most popular systems. And and these ten systems, these ten belief systems, um, they're followed by over 98% of all people on the planet. Now, now each of them claims that their way is the only right way, but if you compare the systems, they're all so different. Their means to heaven is different. Their descriptions of the afterlife are different. They're so different that if one of them is right, none of the others can be right. And, and they, because they cover 98%, the, the 11th most popular religious system has less than 0.3% of the people in the world. So, so the chances of, of the God who loves people putting his belief system in that little bitty time, what it would mean is that, that going to heaven is very, very restricted. And I just don't believe that God has restricted um, his love to man like that. So we're going to answer the four big questions. Um, is there a God? How do you know that the Bible is true? Do all religions lead to heaven? And um, the other one is, if God is so big and smart and good and loving, then how could he allow so much suffering and hardship in the world? We'll answer that question for you, along with four other less frequently asked but very important questions. Come and see. Bring a friend and come and see. The door's wide open. And now that the door is open, what will you do with it? Well, during this series, as a church, we're going to try to close the sale for you. You invite people to come in and see. I want to share with you one more verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 15. Paul writes to us, or Peter writes to us, But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. If you've got your own Bible, underline those words. Always be prepared. That's the premise of this series. I mean, there's only, there's four major questions that people will ask about faith and about Christianity. A few minor questions as well. Four major questions and a few minor questions. We're going to be aiming to give you the answer to all of these. And by the end of this series, if you're here each week, you're going to be better equipped to give an answer to everyone who asks about the hope that you have. And if you can't remember the answers, because you know what? We can be forgetful you're at least going to know where to go to get the answer again. He says, always be prepared. The first key is to be prepared. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord, as holy, always being prepared. You know, seminary students, 
will spend years studying so that they can answer these questions. We're going to give you answers. He says, um, uh, always be prepared to make a defense of anyone who asks you for the reason, the hope that reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The second key to helping people is to respond gently so that they can hear your answer. You ever heard the saying, it goes something like this, what you're saying, you're saying it so loudly I can't hear it. Uh, my sons started playing football this week and uh, I'm enjoying Salem's coaches because they are gentle. But it's this whole team where they've got multiple ages and the, the, the coaches that coach the, the, the little kids younger than Salem, they yell at them. I mean, it's, it's just, it's mean. And I'm like, but the kids, like, they don't respond. Like, they're not crying. They're not defeated. It's almost like, it's almost like they don't hear it. And it's so funny to see, all the, to see these grown men yell at these little kids, but get no reaction from it. And it's just got me sitting there thinking about it. You know, sometimes our approach to speaking to people, we could be so loud that they won't hear it at all. The Bible says, give an answer, but with gentleness and respect. No one has ever argued their way into the kingdom of heaven. The answers that we give you, you use them gently with people. And you know what will allow you to give a gentle answer? Confidence. Because when you're right, you don't have to argue. You just have to explain. And it's not a competition. You've got the right answer. You've already won. So give your answers with gentleness and respect. And then it says keeping a clear conscience. If you say come and see and your friend comes, it's possible that he or she will get offended at some point or that they may have further questions and that's okay anything that's important is worth getting worked up over so expect it respect them for it it means that what you're discussing with them really matters gentleness and respect are the ways that you're going to convince your friends that what you're saying is worth considering and the truth will speak for itself if you speak it gently and respectfully the third key is be righteous so that people will believe you it says in verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Back in the book of Colossians, Paul writes, he says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What Paul's saying here is, he's, he's praying that his friends in the church will make right choices so that God can use them. He's praying that they will be people of their word, people of character, people who manage their money right, who pay their bills on time, who, who give for good. He's praying that they will be the people who make right lifestyle choices so that God can bless them relationally and spiritually. He's praying that, that they make good choices with their words and their attitudes so that they can be eligible for the fruit that God wants to bear in their lives. You know, every day is an integrity test. Will you live rightly? Will you love? 
Will you serve? Or will you let life be all about you? Jesus said, He who gives his life will gain it. And the last will be first. Jesus said a whole lot of things that were counterintuitive. But they're all things that will enable us to be used by God. You see, when a door opens, if you've done your preparation, you'll be able to answer the questions of your, that your friends will ask, and they will listen when you present your answers with gentleness, and they will trust you and want to listen if you've lived a life that they respect. That's the challenge. We're going to be praying this week that God will open a door for you that you'll walk through it, and that over the course of these next six weeks, that will help people um, deal with their big questions so that they can come to know and experience God who loves them and has gone to great lengths to save them. Father God, I pray for you to open these doors this week. That, that you would give your people vision. That you would guide them with your Holy Spirit. That they won't try to make things happen on their own, but rather that they would prayerfully trust you and watch for you to open that door. God, we know that you love us. And not just us, you love all people. Every messed up, complicated one of us. And God, I know that you are looking for people who would extend your arms of love to others. And so God, that as we pray for opportunity, I cannot be more confident that you would would answer that with an affirmative yes. God, I pray that your people would be watchful, looking for that opportunity to invite, and that God, that over the next several weeks, that people who've just got intellectual obstacles blocking their way to you, that you could use this church and you could use this series to remove those obstacles that they might know you, be saved, and to begin a life that um, is far superior because of you. And God, I know for myself, that doesn't mean a life without problems. It doesn't mean a life without challenges. But it does mean a life with your presence. You go through those challenges and problems. And I cannot overstate how valuable that is to your people. So Father God, I also pray for your people that, um, that they may have questions that this would be a good time for them to sort through. So Father, give us resolve to continue to seek you out. Give us courage to reach out. And in all things... May you receive glory and honor, for you have loved us more than we can imagine and certainly more than we deserve. Father, thank you for your son Jesus and what he did for us on that cross. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.